0: Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Joel chapter 2, verse
1: 12 title of tonight's message is learn to burn and yearn to turn and we already saw a part of this in one of the songs pastor Paul and John let us in and that was refiner's fire remember as we study God's word a lot of the Bible is meant for the nation of Israel. But there's definitely things that carry over to us, the Gentiles. And we'll see some of that tonight. But the book of Joel starts off being written to the Jewish nation, and is primarily for the Jewish nation. But you and I, if we're non-Jewish, there's things that we can glean from this also because it's attributed to the nature and the character of God. Now one of the things, uh, this is our last meeting before the, the new year. And as we know, there's always a large segment of people that have New Year's resolutions. So I don't know if you put down anything on your list yet for the New Year's that you want to resolve to do, but there's about 78% of the population that goes ahead and makes New Year's resolutions. Probably some of you are in that 78%. Now, of the 78% of the people who make New Year's resolutions, about 8% keep them. Now, do you have any idea what the number one resolution is? Lose weight. Now, those who make that as a new year's resolution, the average lose about one pound. Those people who do not make a new year's resolution lose about a pound and a half. I think one of the things that We should make a resolution for is in the year 2016 is to love the Lord, our God with all our heart, mind, soul, will, spirit, put it all together. That should be our desire to keep drawing closer and closer to the Lord. Okay, in Joel chapter two, verse 12. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and with mourning, in Jeremiah 29:14, it says, "I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity, I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. One of the things the Lord desires is that we're constantly acting upon that desire of drawing closer to Him. We really can 24-7, 365, be speaking to the Lord. Praying without ceasing is very easy. It's not as difficult as some people think it is. Because all it is is communicating with the Lord. Whatever it may be. When you're talking to a person tonight, Lord, just help guide me as I'm talking to so-and-so. As I'm driving home tonight, Lord, just protect me and protect all the cars. Bless the people that are in the cars. So it's not a hard thing. It's just communicating with your God. We have that great promise that if we draw close to, the God, to God, He'll draw close to us. And God, in verse 12, is telling the nation, Israel, to turn to him with all their heart. And it says, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. To turn to the Lord, one of the words for turn is repentance. To have a broken and a contrite spirit, a repentant, a remorseful, a regretful, and sorry attitude about. Who we are outside of Christ. Who we are in Christ when we try to do our own thing. God is not through with us yet. We're all pieces of work under construction. All of us. God's not through with us yet. But one of the things that we look at when you see fasting and weeping and mourning is that there's action there and there's emotion God wants people who have action and emotion, that act on his word, that are emotionally passionate about him and what he calls us to do. I've said it before from here that God doesn't want spectators. He wants first string players playing for him in all avenues of life. Verse 13: So, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. In Psalm 51:17, it says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. One of the things in verse 13, rend your heart, means to tear out, to split, to break your heart, to split your heart. There's a song that says about breaking your heart with what breaks yours, O God. Break my heart with the things that break your heart. Our prayer for all of us should be, Lord, give me your heart. Give me that heart when I deal with situations. Give me that heart when I'm dealing with other people, whether it be one-on-one, whether it be a group. Just give me your heart. Let me see through your heart, through your eyes. In verse 13, it talks about returning to the Lord again. So in the first two verses, turn to the Lord, return to the Lord. The word gracious is in there. Remember, never take for granted that word grace. It's being given by God what you don't deserve. You're being given something. You're being given a gift from God that you don't deserve. Heaven, you don't deserve it, I don't deserve it, but He gives it to us. He gives us His love. He gives us His Spirit. He gives us His life. That's grace. It's being given something you and I don't deserve. Then it talks about his mercy, being that he's merciful. Now remember what mercy is. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Not getting what you deserve. You deserve hell. You're not going to get it. You deserve his wrath. You're not going to experience it. You deserve... Lack of peace and a restless spirit. You're not going to get it. You deserve death. But you're not going to get it. Because of him. You're not getting what you deserve. That's wrapped up in his grace. We also see in that verse. Slow to anger and of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. In that verse, we see the characteristics of God. But notice, this is the God of the Old Testament. Huh. That's the God of the Old Testament. Some people think the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are two different gods with two different characteristics. He's the same God in the Old that He is in the New. He's long-suffering. He's kind. He's patient. He has shown that throughout Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. That's his nature. He's slow to anger, full of mercy, full of grace. Verse 14, Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Jeremiah twenty-six three it says, Perhaps... Everyone will listen and turn from his evil way that I may relent concerning the calamity which I purpose to bring on them because of the evil of their doings. Here in this verse, I was thinking of Nineveh. Remember the story of Jonah where Jonah came and warned the people. They repented. It was a national repentance from the king all the way down to the animals. Everybody was covered in sackcloth and ashes, a national repentance. God didn't carry out his judgment on Nineveh. But remember what happened 100 years later to their children and their grandchildren. They returned and turned their back on God, and God's judgment fell on Nineveh. Think about Abraham's intercessory prayer for his nephew Lot. It spared Lot the destruction that went on in Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was rescued because of intercessory prayer. Who are you interceding for in your prayer life? If you say, well, I don't really have anybody. There are billions of people that need intercessory prayer. You might not know them directly, but pray for our president. Pray for Congress, for the vice president. Pray for the leaders of other nations. They all need it. I thought in this verse 14 of Ruth and how God used a Gentile woman to reach a Jewish woman. I believe that God throughout the days that we have left on this earth. I think we're going to be in contact with more and more Jewish people. Because when we're out of here. God is turning his attention back. To the nation of Israel. And his people. So keep alert. For your Jewish Potential Jewish brothers and sisters. Verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. In Joel, verse 15, I'm going to include 16 in this. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders gather the children and nursing babes let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room in hebrews 10:25 it says not giving up meeting together as some are the habit of in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and the more as you see the day approaching notice right away in verse 15 I had mentioned earlier in another verse, action and emotion. Look what's happening here in verse 15: blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly. Again, remember this is being written to the Jewish nations. We see it right there: blow the trumpet in Zion. But again, there's things that carry over to you and me in this land, the United States. We talked about the shofar. If you were here, I think it was on a Sunday I was teaching about the shofar. Remember what the shofar does? It was a sound to gather the troops for battle, it was also a sound for announcements or a sound just to worship, depending on what was going on. But notice here is action and emotion consecrating a fast, calling a sacred assembly one of the things here is consecrate setting yourself apart you and I because of what Jesus has done for you and for me we're set apart another word another adjective describing that is you're holy you're holy because of what God has done you're set apart for his use One of the things I want to keep emphasizing through the book of Joel is pray for the Jews in Israel. Because God has called them to be set apart, but they're not listening to him. They've been a, a couple thousand years turning their back on God, their God. And one of the things to keep emphasizing in your individual life. Is the gathering of the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, keep meeting together. That's what we're called to do. Don't be a Lone Ranger Christian. Keep going to church, keep going to home groups, keep going to Bible studies. This is what our God has called us to do. We need that for our spiritual survival. It's crucial or God would have told us something different. Notice towards the end of verse 16, gather the children and the nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. One of the things God is saying through the book of uh, Joel and in these verses is things have got to change. Things aren't normal. you got to step up. We're in the time that this world is perishing and He's relying on you and me to make a difference in a dark dark world we need to step up we can't be status quo anymore we need to heed the call we need to do those things that God is calling us to do if you have an idea bring it to the pastors and the elders some of you have done that already. We can pray on it with you. And then we'll just see and be blown away by what the Lord does. I'm just thinking recently of some of the things that have taken place over the past several months here. And these are just three things. I was thinking of the Father and the Son thing. Because a, a person in our congregation God put it on their heart. He brought it to Pastor Joe. And it was a tremendous blessing. How about the nativity that we just had? How the Lord has blessed that over the years because it was put on a heart of one of the women in our congregation. How cool is that to see how the Lord continues to bless it? How about the things uh, with New Year's? A couple had started that years ago and a new... Couple has taken over the baton. They've acted on what the Lord has put on their heart. Don't deny us the things that God has put on your heart. As I said, take it to the pastors and elders so that we can pray on it. Thought it was cool the uh, morning of the kids' show with the Christmas pageant. And Pastor Paul, that morning. I just came up to me and said, hey, how about having some of the teens sing? And if you guys know me, I love those spur-of-the-moment things because I think those are the things that test the hearts of whether it be teens or adults. And the kids responded great, and they were a blessing to you and to me and to Pastor Paul and to themselves. And we heard a young lady that's only an 8th grader, do a solo of Silent Night. Never knew that morning when she was coming to church that that was going to happen. But again, just acting on what God has put on your heart. Verse 17. Let the priest who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach. That the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? How many people mockingly ask, Well, where's your God in this situation? You lost your job. Where's your God? been diagnosed with cancer where's your job where's your God you're going through a divorce where's your God think of the nations mocking mocking the nation of Israel uh, you tell these stories about how Moses led a couple million people out of Egypt and we know just from the Old Testament that Pharaoh and his courts mocked where's your God people are mocking Israel today. Well, where is he? Did he is he hiding out? Is he no longer around? Our God is coming back one day. And you and I have to be his herald. A herald is an official messenger bringing news. You're a herald. I'm a herald. We're an official messenger. We're God's ambassador. In the sphere of influence that he's put us. To tell others about Christ. Through our actions, through our words, through our invitations. A herald is also a person or a thing viewed as a sign that something is about to happen. Every day something's about to happen. Every day people go into eternity. Every day a person has a problem every day someone might be wanting to share with you something that's on their heart and you might have a simple statement of saying well I'm gonna pray for you or can I pray for you now or I'll put you on the church prayer list be open and sensitive to those things people are hurting both Christians and non-Christians are hurting verse 18 then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people another word for zealous is jealous God is jealous for the nation Israel he's jealous for you and for me he wants our attention he wants no other person place or thing to get his our love that's meant for him other places He's jealous for us. He has compassion on you and me. Think about it over our life. How God has given us and shown us His compassion. Think about what's going on in Israel today. They're surrounded by enemy nations, yet they still stand. Yet they still have one of the strongest militaries. They're plush with tropical fruit, vegetables, flowers, while all the surrounding nations are deserts. They're rich with oil supply. God is showing them compassion even though right now as a nation they're turning their back on God. They've been doing that for a long time. But understand also, there's Messianic congregations in Israel that are meeting. There's more today than ever before. There's hundreds of them. Jewish completed Jews who have found Jesus as their Messiah and are reaching out to other Jews. That's going on right now. God is showing them compassion. Remember, throughout the Scriptures, there's the Jew, there's the Gentile, And in the New Testament, there's another group, the church. That's you and me. Right now, we're in the church age. When God takes us all home, those that will be left will be the Jews and the Gentiles who have turned their back on Christ. But God will show compassion even then, for there's going to be 144,000. Jewish men who will be the 144,000 Messianic Billy Grahams of the day going out throughout the world, preaching the gospel, and people will accept the Lord during the tribulation time because we serve a God of compassion. Verse 19. The Lord will answer and say to his people, behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil and you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. Israel has been a reproach among the nations ever since 1948. When they came back as a nation. And as I said a few minutes ago, they're surrounded by enemy nations. Russia's is just a few miles away from the border of Israel right now. I believe there is a spirit-led church. The church that is on this earth, there's only one spirit-led church. That recognizes Israel as God wants them to recognize Israel as a people that is the apple of God's eye that apple has that God has not rejected his people that Israel is still a concern at the center of God's heart. I believe that there are spirit less churches. That believe they are the new Israel that God is no longer concerned with the nation of Israel and its people please understand that is a lie from the pit of hell you cannot find that anywhere in scriptures and as you've heard it before here in this pulpit if God has turned his back on Israel after all his promises through the Old and New Testament then your salvation and my salvation are in jeopardy because if he can turn his back on the nation of Israel he can turn his back on you and me but that is not our God our God of the scriptures shows us he is faithful that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother that what he says he means and he's not a multiple-choice God he's the same yesterday today and forever and he says in his word those who bless Israel I will bless and those who curse Israel I will curse our nation has put Israel in a very precarious position Don't go along with the flow of our nation. Stand for the Jewish people. Stand for Israel. We're on God's side. We're not on any political side. Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter. This has nothing to do with America. Has nothing to do with America. This has to do with our sovereign God. And His will. Verse 20 but I will remove far from you the northern army and will drive him away into a barren and desolate land with his face towards the eastern sea and his back towards the western sea. His stench will come up and his foul odor odor will rise because he has done monstrous things. Remember, God will judge the enemy armies that go against Israel doesn't matter what nation it is the bible says that all nations will turn against israel one day all nations most of the armies that have ever evade, invaded israel have always come from the north there's only been two victories when they've come from the south and the reason one of those was king david when he retook Jerusalem. And the reason it's so difficult is when you come from the south, you're going uphill towards Jerusalem, where the armies from the north invading it have a downhill battle. So it's easier on the attack when you're coming downhill than trying to fight uphill. Verse 21. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. We serve a God that casts out all fear. I believe that many of the people in Israel today are accepting Jesus Christ because of the danger that is surrounding them. I want to make this applicable to you and to me. What is it that you fear? what is it that is bothering you I believe that's the very thing that God is using to drive you to your knees and acknowledge him as I said in a couple of the songs purifying our heart comes as a result of a burning process remember the locusts in chapter 1 Of Joel they came and devastated the land as if it was burnt they ate everything and if you remember all the different locusts that were mentioned they'll be mentioned a little later here also but there's like 90 at least 94 different types of locust the Bible here mentions about five or six whatever that number was I'm sure there's things that you and I have in common that have burnt us, have caused us grief. Or there might be something else that has devastated you, that hasn't touched someone else here in this congregation. But nonetheless, it's still having an effect on you. I believe that those things that God allows in our life is because he wants to get our attention he's purifying you and me because you and I are his bride he's preparing the bride for the wedding day he's refining us because we're his gold he's purifying us purifying our hearts before he removes the bride tells us in verse 21 to be glad and rejoice you might say well what I'm going through right now pastor Vinny, I can't be glad and rejoice I don't even have that in my heart granted but what you should have in your heart is God's track record He has done marvelous things in our life. He's gracious and full of mercy. Think of what I said before, the grace He's bestowed on you and me. That's real. Think of His track record through Genesis to Revelation. Look at what He's done to the people, His people, in the Old Testament. How He's taken care of them, how He's brought them out. Think of what he's done in the New Testament. And remember, God's not finished yet. There's more in store of his marvelous things. So be glad and rejoice for what he's done. Be glad and rejoice for what he's going to do. And ask him to give you the strength and the grace to persevere through whatever it is you're going through. Verse 22. Do not be afraid, you beast of the field, for the open pastures are springing up and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. There's going to be a restoration of all things. Even the beast of the lands will experience it. Before 1948, Israel was a desert wasteland. But God has restored it over the last 50 plus years. And it's a plush garden, tropical garden. And again, all you have to do is look at the surrounding nations. They're barren, they're dead. Verse 23, be glad then you children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully and he will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. In Philippians 4, 4, it says rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice Aren't you glad it doesn't say in Philippians 4.4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord when everything is going well. Rejoice in the Lord when it's a sunny day. Rejoice in the Lord on payday. It doesn't say that. It says always in the good times and in the bad and how important is it to rejoice in the Lord always God repeats it I will say it again rejoice one of the things when there was a drought in Israel remember the reason God brought a drought is because the people turned their back on him but God is promising here to restore everything like it was before and he'll bring back the fall and the spring rain there was rain in the fall time and there was rain in the spring remember rain is also water is also a type of the holy spirit you might be going through a dry spell right now but you have god's promise that he'll pour out his spirit on you keep seeking him even in the dry times one of the other things in verse 23 it talks about the latter rain in the first month you have to understand the devastation that was going on at this time in Israel their main economics was their agriculture if you didn't have the crops you didn't have food If you didn't have the crops you didn't have anything to sell and God's promise to Israel was that latter rain was going to be coming back again there was also a promise in verse 24 the threshing floor shall be full of wheat And the vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. In Matthew 3.12, it talks about his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. one of the things in this verse talking about new wine and oil in israel it was more productive crops the vineyards were going to be plush again with grapes so there was an agricultural abundance how do you and i apply this to our lives god has made it real easy he has shown us through scripture that wine and oil is a re- is a another Um, It's a shadowing of his Holy Spirit. It's an outpouring of God's Spirit. So in this verse 24, the threshing floor shall be full of wheat and the vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. Wheat is what they made bread from. Jesus is our bread of life. Every time we pray to him, every time we read his word, we're eating of his food. We're nourishing our souls. The vat shall overflow with new wine and oil, the outpouring of God's Spirit on you every single day, the availability of God's Spirit. Verse 25, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. My great army, which I sent among you. Notice there's a restoration of a time of loss and devastation. I'm going to ask you again. Do you have something inside your heart that you've been carrying with you for such a long time? Something of loss. Something that's been a devastation. Is there something that burns you? Is there something that bugs you that's constantly in your heart? Remember, these are the things that God uses to get your attention and purify you. I want you to look at verse 25 and notice the last sentence. My great army which I sent among you. Notice who sent the army. It was God. Here it's referring to the locust we saw in chapter 1. But Joel is a book of prophecy that is also going to be an army that will one day invade Israel. And we'll see that more when we get to chapter 3 but this is a prophetical book. Pray for the nation of Israel, for the peace of Israel, for the wisdom of the leaders of Israel. Verse 26. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Notice in these, this one verse, Satisfaction. Remember, Rolling Stones, you can't get no satisfaction. It's only one place we can find satisfaction, and that's in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Talks about praising the Lord again. How many times just in this verse have we heard about Rejoicing, praising, an attitude of gratitude versus a dead heart, an emotionless heart, a non-acting heart. Also here in 26, notice that his people will never be put to shame again in the last part of verse 26 it says who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame right now they're in shame they feel that the whole world is against them and they're pretty much correct on that they're not a nation being honored by the world but one day that shame will end Verse 27 Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. In Zechariah two eight, it says, For this is what the Lord Almighty says. After the glorious one has sent me against the nations that have plundered you. For whoever touches you Touches the apple of his eye. I would never mess with the eyes of God. I would never mess with God's eyes. The apple of his eyes is the nation of Israel. Understand they have turned their back on God. But one day there will be a national. Repentance. One day there'll be a national revival. And with that, there'll also be an end to that shame. Because they will know throughout history that their God was trying to get their attention throughout history. Remember, you and I, if we're non-Jews, we were adopted. We were grafted. into the tree that is Israel. We are grafted into it. We're the adopted sons and daughters that have every right as a natural born children. When God looks at us, He sees you as His son and daughter just as He sees a Jewish believer. We're part of the family. verse 28 and we'll close on this one and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions In Luke 11:13 it says if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask him. In Acts chapter 2 verses 16 and 18 when the followers of Jesus were waiting up in an upper room because they obeyed Jesus, that he was going to send a helper and a comforter to them after he was taken up into heaven. So they were in an upper room one night, praying and fellowshipping. And there were tongues like fire over their heads, the symbol of the Holy Spirit being poured out on them. That was a glimpse. That was just a glimpse of what will be fulfilled one day when God pours out His Spirit on the nation of Israel. That's a future event that took place in the book of Acts. That fulfillment one day will be over the whole nation of Israel where God will pour out His Holy Spirit on that nation. They'll be blown away the people that receive Christ. You and I, dear people, have already had that experience where God indwells us when we received Him as our Lord and Savior. I want more of the Holy Spirit. God, right here, will always give us more of the Holy Spirit as we ask Him when we get up here to teach all of us, we need an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. We can't rely on our own abilities. When Bob is going in for an operation, we're going into the hospital because he's coughing up blood. He needs an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit to bring him through that, as does Diane. When you're going through something, whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, you need an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. Ask Him. Ask Him. His Holy Spirit indwells you. But there's a situation in all our lives that we need God's outpouring to just fill us to overflowing every day. Every day. Why wouldn't we take advantage? Spiritually, we have billions of dollars that are available to us, spiritually speaking. Ask God's Holy Spirit to continue to just fill you to overflowing. Let's pray.